and welcome to the next exciting episode of the eGP Learning Podblast. I'm Andy. And I'm Gandhi. And I am Shubs. So we've got someone new uh, in the studio with us today. It's Shubs. Uh, Shubs, you're a fellow podcaster. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about your podcast. So yeah, um, so I am a GP and I um, host the podcast Two GPs in a Pod, mm-hmm. where I talk to GPs and actually other clinicians and within primary care and secondary care who are doing something innovative, interesting, inspiring or outside the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So we, we've been a fan of Shubs's uh, podcast and talking on social media and Shubs has joined us uh, yeah. up in Nottingham yeah. to, uh, to record this episode. Which is fantastic. And uh, Gandhi's special episode today? Definitely. So, um, yeah, we're filming uh, or recording um, live from Deep Dark Sherwood um, with Robin Hood Country and all that kind of stuff. We managed to get the shops to, to brave his way over here to join us. Yep. Again, guys, we're upstairs in our, my house and, and stuff. So if you want to catch us on the YouTube video, feel free to go and have a look. But yeah, on this episode, we thought we'd get together with Shubs, uh, have a bit of a chat about, you know, all the various things that we like to talk about. So general practice, health tech basically what we're up to what he's up to and we thought we'd talk a little bit about the future we're about to hit new year's eve aren't we um in fact it's christmas so i guess talk about christmas we look backwards there's christmas past definitely present what we're up to at the moment and then we can look forward to the future 2019 and beyond yeah very good metaphor there Um, very very good i like it effortless there andy good so uh yeah i mean shall we kick off and just i guess talk about what we've all been up to over the last over the last 12 months or a little bit more um, mm-hmm. and uh, and just recap on the year, I guess, before we start looking forwards. Sure. That's a great um, idea, yeah. yeah. Let's Sh- do that. Shubs, you're, you're the guest. So Gandhi and I are really curious yes. about what you've been up to. So, yeah. Uh, what's been going on for you? So I um, so I guess my project that I did before the, the podcast was My GP Events, which is an, a website that helps um, GPs find uh, CPD events and networking near them. So, um, and it's all you know completely free and you know if you're organizing events or if you're going or interested in going to events that are around you um it's it's free to use and it's you know hopefully a a useful resource and Mm -hmm. kind of been doing that for the last kind of couple of years and whilst I was doing that you know I'd met so many interesting people particularly GPs who were doing such interesting things and and I kind of just had this real palpable feeling that me personally as a GP um, locum, um, I had felt quite, you know, going through periods of feeling, feeling quite disenfranchised and kind of, you know, hearing a lot about the negative narrative of people leaving the profession or having to make a choice between, you know, doing something they were really passionate about or having to stay in clinical practice. Um and yet I also knew these people or knew about these people who were doing incredible things despite the difficult terrain we work in and I really enjoy podcasts myself and I actually listened to a great podcast by Gimlet Media called Startup about a guy who creates a podcast and kind of his journey and it kind of really inspired me to say hey like why don't I you know disrupt the narrative or like change the narrative or add to the narrative to tell the stories of these people. So I started that in February and and kind of yeah had recorded a few with you know a few kind of kind of well-known GPs who were doing things in terms so like Zoe Williams and mm-hmm. Rupee yeah. the Doctor's Kitchen um and various other people but also some people who are not that well known um who had done really inspiring things and I kind of just put three or four episodes out there in February and it's kind of just built up from there and it's been a really great interesting journey doing that and I've like, kind of learned so much along the way and it's been really really inspiring to me oh, fantastic yeah. um yeah sure so what's 
I'm going to dive in there. So what, what's what's been your big, like, you've learned a lot. So yeah. what's been your key learning throughout that journey over the year? Yeah, good, um, good question, Andy. I think for me, the biggest learning is, it sounds a bit cheesy, but I don't think it has to be a choice. I think the big thing was, I thought it was just me who was trying to evangelise about this, I suppose, of like, oh, you know, you don't have to leave medicine to do all this other cool stuff. And you know, seeing the breadth of what people have managed to do and not just kind of with portfolio careers, but even within partnership or being salaried, you know, the breadth of what we're able to do as generalists, I think is the biggest take home message Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. of like, we can be generalists in the broadest, broadest sense. So not just from a clinical point of view, but we can add so much more with with other interests, be that, be that digital health be that lifestyle stuff be you know whatever it is you know journalism or whatever and and also i think innovation doesn't always have to be technology as well i think that was a big thing as well so i think those are the been been the big things that i've learned and a thing i'm kind of still trying to learn is how to juggle doing lots of different things which oh yeah yeah, good to get your thoughts on (laughs) that's a topic we've talked about numerous times that might be something that we that we talk about because it's um it's something I think anybody who, um, having done a few of the interviews over the course yeah. of the year, anybody who um, is trying to do something else and juggle a clinical career always grapples with that mm-hmm. that difficult question of, of how to balance it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How, I'm going to, Shubs, I'm going to take the heat off you. Yeah. Gandhi, so have you got any tips for balancing? Um, I think balancing is a key challenge. I mean, we, we talked about this in our podcast episode yeah. with, with myself and, and we've talked about it with a few other people as well. How, how do you get that? balance when you're trying to do like you said clinical commitments um trying to do your own kind of projects is also keep that portfolio career and i think that's the key part is having the portfolio first of all but it's also recognizing that each part of that portfolio is going to take some of your time um and the important thing i think is to have some flux in there you can't you know the, the adage of doing 10 sessions as a gp doesn't work anymore we know that how many gps can honestly hand on heart so they can do 10 clinical sessions a week now Maybe a few out there. My hat's off to them, literally, guys. Yeah, hats very off. Good. Yeah. Very um, good. But re- realistically speaking, it's a massive way to burn out, particularly in modern primary care. Um, so it's having you know some space for yourself, some time for yourself, and that doesn't just mean you know weekends off that kind mm. of stuff because you still need downtime with family, friends, all that kind of stuff. This is actually just some developmental time. It's one of the key things I hear listening to all these. You know, like these people have reached the echelons mm. you know you, you listen to people like warren buffett pat flynn all these kind of people have done amazing kind of stuff and they all say that they have some time that's just for them to kind of figure out what they want to do whether it's you know half an hour or a day or whether it's you know one afternoon that kind of stuff they have that set aside time for their own projects and i think that's the biggest thing i've learned this year mm. we're trying to do this the podcast with doing clinical work and all the other kind of hats that you know i wear and you actually, wear many hats <clears throat> yeah unfortunately yeah. I, only one at the moment right yes. now but, but yeah no it, it's hat. yeah thanks guys love you um but you know it, it's having making sure you've got that space because if you don't have it when those pinch things happen everything you know naturally there are, there are pinch times you know if you look mm. at gp practice quaff year is always a, a nightmare one isn't it pre-winter because it's the, the build-up and, and that kind of stuff so making sure you've got some flux for the other stuff when that all kicks off as well is really important mm, good tips i mean i totally agree and I, I, I think in addition to that is when you also have uh, this, this bit of personal challenge for me so i'm in gp locum mm. and actually I guess one of the advantages of that is you don't have the additional 
kind of burdens that mm. um, you guys would have as partners. Um, however, when you do multiple things and are multiple tasking, uh, multi- multitasking, yep. there, you know, there is this attenuation of, you know, emotional and cognitive stamina mm. that occurs mm. Where, you know, some people say, well, you should focus, you know, you should do one thing at one time. And if you're trying to juggle too many things at once, I think that can also, if you don't yeah. do it right, that can also drive burnout as well. So Definitely. there's this, mm. there's this paradox of, okay, it's great to do all these different things that we're interested in, but also um, having that space also from that to mm. spend it with your family, to, to yeah. have some time, some downtime or some off time as well i think mm. that's one of the big things i'm trying to learn as well i'm a, I'm yeah. like a new dad as well and it, wow. yeah it's 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 it's, it's a big challenge yeah. i haven't figured it out yet yeah i guess we're talking about balance i suppose aren't we it's this whole work-life balance yeah chestnut that you yeah still need even if you're trying to do unconventional career activities exactly yeah yeah, I think it's important not to forget that when you're following your passion or doing something entrepreneurial, it's mm. like, okay, you're doing that. That's great. That's adding to your work-life balance yeah. and you're doing this. But also, how do you, how are you, how are you getting downtown from that as well? Exactly. What do you think, Andy? Have I got anything to add? Um, so I uh, echo everything you've said already. Um, two things I would say, actually. So I think um, one thing is like the importance of um, saying no to things. Yep. I think everyone goes through a phase in their career, and I think this is a phase I've just come out of, where there's lots of advantages to saying yes to opportunities. Do you want to attend this meeting mm. um, about this technological project? Do you want to attend this other meeting about working at scale? And there's a part of your career where it's really good to say yes to all of those things because... Uh, it opens up lots of exciting opportunities. You get to meet people and network. However, uh, I think there reaches a point where to be successful in what you choose to do, you've got to then choose to focus. And that means saying no um, to uh, to certain opportunities. So I think that's important. Gandhi, are you coming in here? Yeah, and I think one thing I'd echo. So um, me and Andy have been part of something called the Next Gen program, which mm-hmm. is this um, amazing program trying to instill enthusiasm and drive in the, the younger cohort of GPs to try and develop the future leaders. And it's run by Nishma manic yeah and i apologize yep. if i pronounced that wrong and it's been a really interesting program and i guess one of the ones that, that really meant a lot to me when i heard it was um the talk from nikki kanani uh, um and i always make this mistake supreme leader yeah a- supreme a- leader act- is one ultimate <laughs> controller of primary care yeah. <laughs> so uh, official title acting head of primary yeah. care for nhs england so yeah you know yeah. kind of the, the top mm. kind of thing yeah um and one of the things that she pointed out was the way that she gets to be so effective and I hand on heart believe that she is very effective um, is that she has a great team of people around her and it's interesting that you mentioned the whole concept about locum and, and the challenges that it has and, and I know for me um, being a partner in a practice is challenging at times because you've got the commitment and the responsibility that comes with it but I know that having that team around me that supports me that allows me to you know do things when the flux hits kind of thing and personal experience this past week i've had a really bad week unfortunately for a variety of reasons um and my partners have supported me through that and meant that i can still function and carry on and you know because of that i'm back in doing things with you guys right now so yeah you know yeah. And, and that wouldn't have happened if i hadn't got the team around me to you know pick up the slack when i wasn't able to be there so yeah. you know i think that's another thing is to look at the people around you Look how this boy, I mean, me and Andy have been doing this now for a year uh, and, and it's been going amazingly because we keep feeding off each other, you know, being able to drive this further forward and, and it's having that team with you. I think I think that's I think that's really key. And, um, you, you know, if, if you have that, mm-hmm. it definitely takes some of that um, 
burden off you you're accountable yeah. to each other you get things done as well and i think yeah. it's great that you have that yeah i'm just coming very similar point but working with a partner is really useful mm-hmm. because um perhaps if gandhi and i tried to do this podcast on our own we probably wouldn't have been as productive because there's you have some obligation to yeah. show up and do the podcast at the time you've said <laughs> agreed you know, yeah I, 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 because you've you've, you've, yeah. got, you've made a promise to somebody else that you're going to do it so um i think actually finding partners who um share where you want to go and mm. your interests and working with them is really important That's, absolutely yeah. um so with my gp events i have um you know, two guys i work with um called mehel and max and they're they're absolutely fantastic partners to have and taking you know what we're trying to do forward and mm. i com- that completely resonates with me what you said Awesome. Cool. Good. Candy. What's next? Wow, Candy. What have you been up to briefly? Because okay. you've been up to you've been up to so much, and we want to get I, to the you're technology. Everywhere. I see. Um, yeah. yeah. What's, been, <laughs> what's been the highlights? The highlights of your year? Oh, my year. Okay. Wow. Um, so I think the highlights of my year, one was, um, I mean, being um, voted in as national RCGP rep was awesome. Um, and I think, uh, you know, uh, again, thank you to all the, the, the listeners out there. Thank you to all the members of the RCGP that voted me in. And, you know, attending my first council meeting was interesting. I've been an observer before, um, but actually being able to participate and getting up there and participating was really useful. Um, I know I didn't get to say everything I wanted to say, and then I kind of went a little bit off piste and said some things on social media that may or may not have gone as well. Oh, as really? People. Did did you? Was there controversy? What spilled um, beans? Well, I, so um, I was quite unhappy with the the partnership review. Um, right. Um, I, I've not hidden my emotions behind this. I felt that the the partnership review that's being done by Nigel Watson at the moment is a very worthwhile endeavour, um, but I did feel it missed key elements um, that hadn't been addressed as part of the partnership review and the debates about why that is you know so some would say it's not part of the remit to look at things like the baseline funding which is my key issue mm. that the partnership review hasn't even commented effectively it has in in woolly language but you know it didn't kind of talk about it in detail uh, and definitely didn't ask for a baseline increase in the global sum um, which I think many people would feel is if you want to make an instant impact in terms of people remaining and continuing and therefore attracting new partners, the first thing you need to do is stabilise the, the finance and not asking for it. Even if you can't ask for it, you know, fair enough, if the answer is going to be no, but if you don't ask for it, you're never going to get an answer. Um, yeah, so, it, adds, it adds to that overall narrative. It, it, there's something about it being absent, isn't there, which yeah. um, is potentially problematic. It, it, mm. it, you know, if, if he's not mentioned it, is it not a problem? Yeah, which in my head, that should be the first ask. Um, There are lots of other things that need changing about partnership. And, you know, unfortunately, just before that happened, we heard about the indemnity issue that there's no extra funding for. Yeah, that was also that council meeting, wasn't it? It was also that council. And that was part of my point as well. And, and, you know, subsequently, we're now hearing about the next hammer on partnership, which I don't know if you guys have heard about this as of yesterday, um, the potential increases in employer contributions for pensions. Uh, which doubly hits partners because they pay both employer and employee mm. contributions. So effectively taking... Mm. And everyone else's employee. Everyone else's um, employees will go up. So yeah. I think it's a near 20% increase in employer contributions. Mm. So as a partner, that now potentially means that almost 35% of your income will go towards the pension which is a massive cut. Um, Where's the door? I'm, I think I've I mean, been out of that pension scheme. Way to, way to promote um, 
promote it, hey? <laughs> exactly. So, so um, it's anyway, back, back to Christmas. Topic. It's Christmas. Let's not get too negative. Yeah, yeah okay. Let's look forward. So this is one of the reasons why me and Andy work so well. Yeah. I tend to be the slightly more cynical, negative in some ways view. I'm just um, a wide-eyed optimist. Yeah, and, and he's the wide-eyed it's, it's optimist. It's all going to be great. So, yeah, definitely. It's all cyclical. <laughs> yeah. It'll come back one day. <laughs> definitely. Um, so, you know, um, I think that was a real big thing for me. Um, I think the other thing has, has been the podcast and the EGP learning platform that I do. Um, work has been amazing. It's been challenging in terms of general practice and that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's the nuts and bolts of what I do. So, you know, and my practice has been you know, really good at supporting me and amazing. Um, I think the last thing was the the, the pilgrimage I did that nearly oh, killed yes. me. Um, yeah. So people who follow me on Facebook and stuff would have seen it. And I did this lovely 84 kilometer walk in the middle of wow. the Iraqi desert, um, which near enough has killed my feet and made me have persistent Achilles tendonitis since. Oh, no. yeah. Not at all bitter <laughs> about it at all, but no, it, it was a life changing experience uh, and one that I did with my parents who amazingly did it as well. And I still can't believe they managed to do it. Amazing. Um, and yeah, that was, you know, really awesome. Cool. So yeah. And you, Andy? What, what have I been up to? Um, I'll keep, this, I'll keep this fairly brief so we can move on to the tech, but I think the, a few things have been really exciting over the course of the year. So a lot of the work I've been doing with the uh, Nottingham City General Practice Alliance. Hi, guys. I know you listen to the podcast in the office. Are oh, you telling me to, to lean in, Gandhi, yeah, so okay. on the camera? Yeah. Uh, okay, fine. I think my waveform was looking weak, weak on Audacity. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so uh, I know those guys listen in the office, um, and I've had some good fun working with them on the, the signposting project and mm-hmm. continuing to roll that out to other practices. That's going out to practices in Nottingham and practices in Leeds. So it's a training product for GP receptionists. Um, Gandhi's been involved in a video project yeah. with them. Um, and so we're making a number of educational videos for patients about how to use um, GP services and some of the challenges oh, that stuff. GP services have. Uh, and they're going to be going out on social a slightly media. different take on it. And we did uh, we did a, a fun video, which is a little bit comical about the cold. And that is now being shown as of the new year in the Broadway cinema in Nottingham. It's actually uh, going to go wow. on before about the, the common cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the feature presentation. Very good. Um, in the cinema so I'm going to be on Guys, the silver screen it's going to go viral yeah. definitely it's going to be amazing Hopefully. it's gone mainstream it's gone mainstream yeah. <laughs> so, that, so that's fantastic I'm going to have to um, go get my popcorn and uh, I mean, obviously the podcast has been a fantastic journey with Gandhi um, and uh, the other thing that I've really enjoyed and we've been talking about um, the differences between trying to be innovative uh, being a locum and being a partner and mm. uh, you can often there are some downsides in terms of being a partner in t- it's mainly time, you know, time commitment and other pulls on your time. But the plus side is uh, you can really you can be quite free to innovate within your own yep. practice. So um, some things that we've done recently is we've taken our web design in house at the practice, um, <laughs> and we're about in the new year going live with a new um, website, and we're going to have some video updates from the practice and practice staff. Um, and uh, we've just um, put together a tablet um, station to go in the waiting room mm-hmm. for people to access self-care information and awesome. uh, give feedback on their experience at, at the practice, which sounds fairly low tech. But, yeah. you know, if you were in a hospital, you know, procuring that and, and putting it somewhere might be difficult. But we've just been able to put it in place over the course of a few weeks, making our own decisions. So you can be quite flexible, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and innovate on a small scale. So I've been enjoying doing that at the practice. And guys, if you want to have a look at Andy's website, I highly recommend it's parksidemedicalpractice.co.uk. I'm going to be checking that out. Co.uk. Co.uk. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I mention that, so Andy's done all the art that's on the um, yeah, website as well. Illust- you have an illustrator hat. 
Yes, don't yes. I, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I enjoy yeah. um, sketching with my Apple pencil on my iPad. Very Pro. cool. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I've done I've done the artwork for the new site as well. And I did the artwork for the signposting health um, training product as well. Mm. well it's really really good tip if you want to make something uh, your own intellectual property. Just throw in some unique artwork, and it makes the whole thing a lot easier in terms of good uh, retaining the uh, the yeah. IP rights. Just and throw that in. Speaking there. of which, if any of you guys wanted to continue to support the work that we do, and he's also committed to drawing any of our supporters at our collaborator level, which is the not too expensive. Mm. Um, um, we'll put you into the kind of logo background frame that we've got for the EGP Learning Podblast. That's very so, cool. Yeah, you could be you know, in the logo. You exactly. Be You'd be drawn by Andy. I mean, if that's not a way to get you in, I don't know what is. Oh. Oh. Shall, we, shall we start talking about, about, about technology? I'm just thinking, not Sounds that we have been talking about technology, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really curious um, to know what people um, think is coming down the line potentially in 2019, or what 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 in health tech has got you excited over the last year? I guess and we'll talk about the future okay. afterwards. So, shops. Any of you? You want to lead us off? Well, I mean, I was going to start with you know you guys are doing such a great job with I guess helping people. Um, and listeners to kind of just get with get with the program of you know what's coming what's what's going on and what's been happening so mm-hmm. you know all the all the all, all the stuff that you've put on twitter and the videos that you guys have done of of resources and websites that really you know help with things and i think that's been really like a really useful you know useful thing i mean personally in terms of what i've been excited about this year good good question i i think I think my personal experience is that there's a palpable sense of, although it's been reactive, like regulation starting to move its, um, you know, move the inertia that it's had, or having to react to what's what's been happening mm. in the in the tech in 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 this landscape, and so you know people like Nice and NHS England are coming together to do this. Um, uh, evidence for effectiveness framework where mm-hmm. everyone's got to be on the same page with the yeah. level of ed- yeah. evidence and the level of risk that you know technology has and so I think that's a really positive step and you know even I guess you know the RCGP are kind of getting on board and getting yeah. through the program and you know the paper that they've done recently about um, you know what AI is and, and, and kind of moving the narrative along to be like okay yeah okay you know we've we've had a period of like saying oh my god this tech can it can do everything mm. to like oh actually it can do nothing and hopefully to <laughs> to moving to i guess along the hype yeah. cycle which yeah. we were talking about earlier which is you know to okay here's what we know that it can do now and here's what could look like in the in the future and here's what we need to do to get there in a, in a constructive mm. way yeah um and i think we as clinicians are starting to but need to more Kind of be more part of that story and that narrative. Mm. I think um, so. That's that's what's exciting mm-hmm. me, and I think, and that's why it kind of brings me back to what I was saying earlier about you know um, the, the what you guys are doing of, of saying, hey, these are some really really great yeah. resources and tech out there. I think it's a great resource to have to get actually get us in the know of you know helping our own critical thinking and saying okay this is useful this is not um, maybe okay i can see the potential for this but so far we need to go from here to here so that's my thoughts i mean i'd echo that i think um, a lot of the organizations are starting to play catch up um and you could argue that they should have thought about this beforehand potentially um uh, i know the rcgp is looking forward at um, a lot of the 
ways that tech is in, in you know impacting how primary care functions and they've got particular documents coming out i think in the new year that look at that um so that's going to be hopefully useful and, and you know um, appreciated really you mentioned ai ai is yeah. probably the thing that's going to change primary care and healthcare in the next at least a couple of years or so there's obviously a big focus on it and pretty much you badge anything with either ai or blockchain and you're automatically increased its value um, by <laughs> yeah. significant sums of money and stuff so you know it's where the investment's going as well um yeah. whether that's nhs investment whether that's more likely private investment fair enough yeah. um i know the college are looking at um, doing you know potentially some sort of events around this kind of stuff in the new year i'm guessing you know a lot of the conferences will focus a lot on it as well which would be useful in terms of, I guess, other technology, well, there's lots of different things coming ahead. It's, I think the key thing is always going to be, in the UK in particular, we, we are confined within the kind of restrictions of working within a, the NHS. And, and this is something me and Andy talk about quite often. It's one of my biggest bugbears is how restricted the tech is in the NHS. I mean, I mean, we still use Windows 8, for God's sakes, you know. Um, and, you know, that needs to change in order for us to be able to do more. Um, and people clearly worry about security, all that kind of aspect. And it's important and definitely sensible because we're talking health data and how important that is. But at the same time, there needs to be this balance of you can't say we want to be amazing innovators and world leaders in healthcare. And at the same time, say we're going to give you a, a Amiga 64 mm-hmm. to do it with, you know. Um, so is that right? Com- Commodore 64, sorry. Internet uh, Explorer. 11 or whatever we've got oh. <laughs> well i've got internet started. explorer 8 so eight, yeah. i've yet to be able to get past that yeah so oh yeah what, what am i what am i excited about i just think what, one of the podcasts that i really uh, enjoyed this year was when we looked at the um the wet technology so not all technology is yeah. is silicon based is it i quite mm. enjoyed looking at the um the work that 23 and me were doing our when, genomics podcast yeah, yeah. i sent off my uh, sample of saliva uh, to holland to have it analyzed mm-hmm. um and then got the results back and we had a look at those on the podcast together um and that was quite interesting I, I think there's a lot of promise in uh, in the area of genomics mm-hmm. uh, you know and personal genomics personalized health advice personalized yep. medicine and i think where that that information is obviously um interacting with digital technology you mm-hmm. know in terms of the analysis of that data and crunching everybody's data together and i think that uh, that's something that people haven't talked about all that much this year because i think it's gone a little bit quiet a lot of the focus has been on ai mm-hmm. and uh, i think that we're it feels like we've gone to the top of the hype curve with ai and i just get the feeling we're just coming off the top of it um you know there's it's had so much promise you know mm-hmm. uh, ali Paz is talking about um, you know, there's going to be something in your pop- pocket that replaces your GP, you know, that kind of language. And I think we're going to kind of come to find that AI can't maybe deliver all of these things. And we'll, uh, my prediction, this is a prediction for the year. So <laughs> we're going to say so the AI backlash. This is my prediction that I was thinking about. And I think we're going to start to see um, AI not delivering on some of the promises that people have made over the course of the next year. Maybe some negative stories. Uh, people might have seen in the news there was the Weiser app, which is a cognitive behavioural therapy app for children, which should be, acts like a bit of a personality that the child interacts with, and the child to teenagers, and they um, it, it, and it kind of uses the notifications to prompt the child to interact. Oh, hi, how have you been? Anyway, so there was a case where a child disclosed some sexual abuse to the Weiser app, and uh, what did the app do? 
I didn't know what to do. So it didn't do anything at all. And it just sat on the information until, you know, somebody was auditing and discovered it. Um, so I think maybe we'll see some more stories about mm-hmm. that, you know, about the risk size of, of AI. Mm-hmm. Just a just a prediction. Maybe it'll it, maybe it won't happen. But uh, AI star waning. But maybe we'll hear a bit more about, about wet technology uh, again. Well, I think we will hear the rise of personalised medicine. So mm-hmm. you mentioned genomics, and I think genomics is a huge part of that. Um, but it's also the, the rise of lifestyle medicine that's mm-hmm. with that. And, and you know, um, I mean, people call it different things. as lifestyle medicine, functional medicine, I think is one of its other terms and stuff. And I think we are definitely starting to see the rise of that because... Patients, I think, particularly nowadays, are wanting personalised care. And we don't mean in the sense of necessarily continuity of care. It's also about my condition, my health, you know, how do I manage me? And I think um, one of the key things I remember, and it was one of my partners that mentioned this to me, um, patients don't want to know if they're unwell. They want to know if they're healthy. And that's a massively different shift to look at how healthcare is delivered. Because you can argue the NHS is designed to look after you when you're unwell. It's not actually designed to make you healthy. That's public health. Um, and we're going to see that massive disconnect. Discon- can't say it properly. Disconnect. Disconnect. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, thinking of a more elaborate word, but that's probably a better one. I, I think we're going to see that happen. And, you know, Matt Hancock's a, a massive fan of, you know, um, preventative health. You know, he talks a lot about, you know, keeping active, standing desks, all, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. our current, you know, policy in chief kind of thing is behind this massively so naturally the policies are going to leap follow and stuff and i think we're going to see a rise of like i said personalized lifestyle medicine over the next couple of years whether that overtakes ai will be interesting i mean i like the i like the sound of that because that <clears> sounds like it's actually focused on a solution rather than a tool <clears> and i think a lot of the focus maybe this year with ai it's about a technology and a tool but what problems are we solving with that what are we actually yeah. doing with it well we don't know it's going to be a useful tool to power things like personalised medicine. And so I think we'll probably see perhaps AI moving more into the background and actually more solutions focused. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the AI companies are going to go away. You know, they're obviously a big part of, of the future, but um, but maybe AI isn't the, the destination. You know, it's just uh, it's it's a it's an facilitator, enabler. Yeah, an yeah. enabler. I think that's really interesting. I mean, you've touched on a few things there, that, that thing of lifestyle medicine and, you know, you know what what do we do in primary care and what do we do what does public health do and mm. is there a bit of a venn diagram intersection in the middle where you know potentially <laughs> there's a potential to mm. to do something there i i think there's some interesting things there which can kind of has an overlap with digital technologies and smartphone yeah. technologies and precision medicine and lifestyle medicine and i think one of them one of the big challenges is there's this paradox of you know, in some places, this kind of technology and smart smartphone technology has the power to improve access where there's no primary care and mm-hmm. do all of this amazing potential stuff, potentially amazing stuff. But then you have like actually on the same token, the potential for all of these things that we've just mentioned to exacerbate health inequalities, mm-hmm. um, where in in socially deprived places where there's no you know poor literacy levels or where actually all of this isn't an uh, important part of someone's life is just survival and getting through mm. the day and you know all of that and, and so I think it's a really interesting thing that needs to be part of the narrative that's all of this you know like whether it's lifestyle medicine or digital health or precision mm. medicine or whatever all of this you know as we uh, as this all of this progresses I think really should be part of the debate of okay how do we how do we um, not 
you know, widen these inequalities. Mm. I think yeah, that's a really about unintended consequences in yeah. a way, aren't yeah. we? Mm. Um, something might help with one thing, but but what you know, what are the knock on effects? Um, we've often talked about um, mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, the way that access is often at odds with with capacity, and yeah. some some of these things <laughs> can drive um, understanding of health, but also anxiety uh, yeah. around health, which can lead to increased a- access or demand for um, capacity in the health service, which isn't necessarily um, keeping pace. And I think another this is another trend that I hope will change because I think. Currently, technology is quite good at addressing um, access issues um, in terms of actually making GPs, physicians, other people more productive and more effective, you know, at dealing with more, you know, more people per day or, or whatever, or more complexity. I'm not sure it's actually solving those problems yet. Mm-hmm. And I'd be excited, actually, if, uh, if if perhaps some of the focus perhaps moves, moves in that direction. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it may. I think some people would say it has done that. So you can clearly hear messages from people who've done like GP access, doctor first, and that kind of stuff. Has said that it's made a massive impact to their um, work life and their that kind of thing. Similarly, that there's stories where it's done the exact opposite. Yeah, I said my face um, just drops <laughs> having done know. a trial of something like that, and it was a disaster. Yeah, um, but yeah. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to implementation. It also comes down to education as well, um, because if you don't have the the concepts of educating your patients about what this actually means, you know, patients will go the path of least resistance, generally speaking, um, because they will want what they want. And until you deal with that one, they're going to keep wanting it. Um, So therefore, you know, being able to to hit that properly is important. So I think that's why you sometimes see the dichotomy of the, 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 you know, the people, the evangelists saying that this will work no matter the situation. Well, no, it won't. You have to remember that every situation is different. Every patient is different. Every you know, system is different. Otherwise, if that was the case, we'd have a universal access system that works for everybody. Have yeah. you guys seen it? I haven't. No. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting as well of like how this might shift our relationship with illness, wellness, disease, yeah. being healthy, like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And you know, suddenly, if you have all of you know, you're hyper connected. You've got you've got tracking and monitoring, and mm-hmm. we've got you know genomics, and I know exactly what my background risk of um, disease X is, and I know what to do. Like, you know, sometimes is ignorance bliss? Like, yeah. would I rather not know what's going on right now? I feel I, I don't have any pain right now. I'm not mm. feeling unwell. I feel all right. But if I connected myself to everything that there was possible in the future to connect myself to, would I actually feel well anymore? Mm. Like, actually, there was always something yeah. chugging along that, that might, you know, we're always, you know, we're all on a path to to um, ourselves apo- <laughs> apoptosizing or whatever it is, and and you know, so so it's it's it'll be interesting to see our relationship with that evolving as well. I think. So I'm going to use a pop culture reference for that. Go on. Um, have you guys ever watched the, the TV program um, Criminal Minds? No. No. So it's um, a program designed around this behavioural assessment unit that goes around and, and basically finds serial killers in America because America's got hundreds of them. Yeah. Um, and um, it's about this team that is very specialised, very well skilled and that kind of stuff. And one of the members is kind of like this savant kind of guy that can process crazy. He's like the Sheldon Cooper of the assessment world, but he's actually got people skills. Um, and in it, throughout the series, one of the things that happens is that he finds out that he's got the Alzheimer's gene, I think it is, in his family. And there's so many episodes which focus around his potential fear 
that that's going to be something that's in his future because he 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 uh, I think it's his mom if I, and apologies if I've got the wrong disease and the kidney but it's something along these lines. His mom has um, Alzheimer's dementia, which there's lots of episodes dealing about that. He then you know goes to help and look after her and then realizes that he's you know got a risk of the gene and I think he finds out that he does have it. And I, I was looking at this and just thinking, is is that what I would want to know? You know. If I was in that situation, and the, the other part is, it's a risk of it. It's not correct. It's not exactly. certainty. Yeah. Exactly. But so much anxiety and stress is created. And fair enough, it's TV. It's dramatic. It's meant to be. You know. But then part of me thinks it's a risk. You know. And it's not actionable. Yes. Yeah. There's the nothing thing. you can change about that. It will happen or it won't certain, happen. Certain risks they're actionable. So mm. yeah, it's an argument that it's useful and, to know about those things. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, those sorts of risks there's no treatment yet so mm-hmm. and it comes with that and, no, and it's all not. and then we can go in I mean you know if we had more time we could go into like over treatment and over diagnosis mm, and unintended massive. harms and all of that and that as well. probably is the, the next big movement I think we're mm. going to see as well so we talked about obviously personalised medicine AI you know over treatment is a massive thing and I think uh, Martin Marshall who's the uh, one of the vice pre- um, vice um, chairs of the RCGP has written an amazing paper about rethinking, rethinking medicine yeah, that, that just came out recently. Um, and a lot of that talks about the, the over-treatment aspects. And, and you know, how many times have we seen patients that are on, you know, 20 drugs at the age of 18? You're thinking, seriously, you know, how, how much of this is sensible and appropriate? And how much of this is actually causing harm potentially because of the atrogenic effects, you know, of those drugs, of those treatments, of that, of that anxiety as well that you're driving? You know? Absolutely. I think in Scotland they have realistic medicine as well, and I think mm. Wales have their own incarnation of it mm. as well. And but I think the point kind of kind of amalgamates a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, which is like you know you know some of this can be addressed if done right, and if mm-hmm. it's done in the right narrative in in, the, in an empowering kind of way. For example, lifetime lifestyle medicine. Mm. You know, if it's done in the right way, sensitively, that recognises that person and where they are right now. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I, it reminds me of when I was talking to Ruby of the Doctor's Kitchen. I was saying, like, you know, it's well, it's all well and good if someone lives in you know an affluent area by Whole Foods Market, mm. but how do you how do you get this message to to you know um, an inner city deprived exactly yeah you know and uh, and so and that that message has to shift like it is it has to shift and be mm, very so different. Um, but how do you do that in a way that? that resonates with that person in front mm. of you. And then that, that part of being personalised medicine as well, yeah. like recognising who's in front of you. So I think we that's need, we fascinating. We need Facebook data, don't we? <laughs> and then yeah. we can personalise the messages and tar- hyper-target the messages to them, <laughs> uh, which I think is... Or we can go down the Chinese government route. Yeah, there's all sorts of ways to do that. <laughs> but uh, you know, but I, I, think there's, I think there's something about um, targeted health messages as well, not just taking on board people's personal risk Mm. um for um for conditions but but also this is getting a bit big brother like but taking Mm. account of perhaps what some companies know about how they can be influenced Mm -hmm. to do things for their own benefit this is sounding controversial now but you know is that a route is that a route to go down to Mm. hyper target health messages give them a nudge Mm. in the right direction i'm not sure having just vocalizing that i've become Skeptical of my own suggestion there. It sounds a little <laughs> bit Black Mirror like. Maybe there's an episode of Black Mirror to come out of that. Um, yeah, lots of possibilities. Yeah, uh, Gandhi's just held up the five minute, um, the five minute marker. Ding ding ding. I a question that we uh, we ask our guests, and this is dangerous because none of us are prepared for this question. Uh-oh. But we tend to ask our guests if you had a hundred million pounds, 
to spend on health technology or innovation, um, how would you spend that? So I've already money? answered this question on a previous episode. I'm going to buy out of this one, guys. Oh, oh, you can damn use it. it. Tell, tell us what well, you said I, before, but with okay. more with more detail or something different. Um, yeah, start. I'll get my I'll get, yeah, I'll get my prepared, creative so juices going. Start it off. You'll give us some ideas. So I'll be honest, I can't actually remember what I said last <laughs> okay. time. It was six months ago. I believe it was around the basis of having a fully effective video consultation platform that was universal throughout healthcare. Because at the moment, we've got various different providers and platforms. They all kind of do their own little bit and that kind of stuff. And actually, it was a unified, singular platform that everyone could use. And you could argue to a degree the NHS app may potentially create some elements of this, mm. but it's not going to have the back end in terms of video consultations itself. It's going to be the, 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 the unifier, but not the, the, the grunt, shall we say. Um, and I would say that if you had that system, and I'm not suggesting you just have one provider, but it's, it's, it's the platform itself, mm. you know, that means that people have the same access, the same quality of service. Um, and, you know, I think if you had that, it just made life so many. I mean, how many times would, would you have felt that if I just had this piece of information that sits somewhere else's repository, I could deal with this here and now, you know, how much time would be saved, how much better metrics would we have from that kind of data rather than people accessing, you know, just unified care, back-ended with a bit of tech. Mm. All right. Okay, good. Um, have you got anything yet? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it will kind of be another, like adding on to, to that. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, one of the big frustrations of, of, of our everyday work is that communication between primary and secondary care. How do we use technology to facilitate our human connections and our break our mm-hmm. barriers down? A between each other in primary and secondary care, but also embracing different ways of working. So embracing ways of working with A technology and B other health professionals within primary care as well. How do we how do we enable that to happen so that and this is my bias view because I'm a GP and so are you guys, mm-hmm. but how how do we then use that so it actually has an impact for um, effect on us being able to have the bandwidth and the time to spend on complex, preventative, realistic, you know, or mm-hmm. re- that that medicine that was rethought that's much more pragmatic mm-hmm. and, and personalised to that person in front of us. We need bandwidth to be able to do that. It's not sustainable in the current way it is. Yeah. So how do we use technology and different ways of working and other professionals? So I think I would use a big chunk of that 100 million to use the technology enablers like you've said especially the gap communication between primary and secondary care but then using making sure that those efficiency savings are actually used and are actually you know blocked off Mm. to say actually yeah now we know that you can spend longer with this cohort of patients because they need it and i think i think we will feel so much more fulfilled in our jobs um and that's not everything. That's part of what we want. Yeah. But also our patients will feel much better about, you know, and less frustrated about their GP, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Um, and I think that, yeah, that's that's going to, and if there's any change left over, yeah. then, you know, some of the other bits as well, like a bit of bits of technology. <laughs> <laughs> cool. um, yeah, right. Oh, okay, right. So I've had the longest time to think about it. Um, and uh, so I think mine's, is it a cop out? No, I don't think it is. So the prin- the principle that I think I would like to advance with the money um, is that I think a lot of the solutions that are coming forwards now are, um, they're not necessarily coming from the helping physicians be more effective place. Uh, it's about uh, making the patient journey easier. These are all laudable things, making the patient journey easier, 
It's about access. Um, it's about making the system more efficient. Um, but I think um, physicians need to embrace some of this technology themselves and address some of the problems that they know would make them more effective. So, for example, I'd like um, something that files my uh, blood results in a logical way that follows some algorithms and just highlights where there's a potential problem you know, in the blood results. And that would save me a lot of time, give me more time for patients. That would make me more effective. Uh, mm-hmm. But no one seems to be focusing on those sorts of things. So those are the type of um, physician-based problems I'd like to solve. Uh, what, what would I do with the money? So uh, we're going to set up a series of tech incubators in uh, in major places, not in not in London, because London's catered for. Maybe so Nottingham. There's going to be one in Nottingham. That's going to be like the big shiny headquarters. And then there's going to be satellites in, in other in other more provincial yep. areas. Sherwood um, Incubators Limited. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be focused on... Um, on sort of physician-led um, uh, solutions to f- problems that make physicians more effective, because I think it's a neglected area of health tech. So that's what I'm going to do with that imaginary one. Sounds like a great solution. I'm going to repurpose exist. my idea because yeah. realistically, I think my idea is probably going to blow the hundred million in about ten seconds. <laughs> um, so I would go out and create the NHS-approved version of Asana. Interesting. Because there isn't a system that allows you to have workflow management or project management that's applicable across the NHS because you can't use it with patient data. I think that's good. I think that's doable with 100 million as well. Yeah. Like easily. So that's a good answer, Candy. I like that. You've helped me repurpose my dreams, Andy. You can have some of the incubator money. Thank you. That's good to hear. Yeah, we've got a committee going (laughs) here. I'll I'll give you approval for that as well. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So we're coming towards the end of the the time here so it's uh, mm. been a slightly different episode um a little bit more free-flowing uh, hopefully you've followed along and it's been enjoyable Who it's knows? been it's been great and you know it's been you know a lot of, a lot of the haters thought we couldn't get two podcasts together yeah. and you know they thought the world would implode yeah. but here we are no. breaking barriers you know it's all it's all it's all happening it's all good i'm gonna put this out there i'm gonna suggest we do this every year yeah well, we right should, how we about we make this a christmas tradition Yes, I like it. Why not? And um, we should um, obviously review our predictions for the next year. So yeah, that's it. Let's right, hold each other in accountable. To, to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, good. Yeah, picking up on a theme well, it's earlier. it's it's here yeah. for posterity. Everyone's yeah. going to see it. So cool. very good. Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your hospitality. Thanks for your hat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And is... you know, it's been a real pleasure to to, to come here and chat about you know what what we've been up to and, and tech. And I feel yeah. I, I feel much more clued up and yeah, genuinely, you know, all the things that you're doing with, with, you know, up, I guess, you know, increasing our awareness of the mm. stuff, the tools that we can use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just being part of that narrative of cha- the changing tides of shifting standards mm-hmm. of technology. I think it's really valuable. So keep going. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, we've been enjoying your, your podcast as well, Shubs, uh, meeting all of the innovative and interesting stories that yeah. people have, yep. you know, you can pick up a lot of ideas how to, spice up your career without necessarily leaving medicine or, or leaving Absolutely. your post which is which is great watch this space some cool stuff coming next year yeah. so yeah mm-hmm. be keen to hear about it yeah awesome well thank you guys and thank you listeners for listening thanks for listening and yeah so feel free to interact with us all so you can interact with me uh, at dr aw foster on twitter avoidingpuddles.com uh blog and via the egp learning platform yeah, um, I'm on Twitter as at DrGandalf52 or at EGP Learning. And as always, guys, make sure you subscribe and watch it on our YouTube channel. And those of you that are already watching us, yeah, hi, guys, again. Yeah, hi, guys, yeah. give me a wave. Hope you're enjoying this video and, and stuff. Um, but yeah, feel free to share, 
spread the message Please you know do, yeah. you can even perv on us if you want to you know i've got this amazing hat as we keep I mean, mentioning I've, it's, it's been hard to resist the urges that braces. i've been having here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah i've got my my uh, braces uh, here cool. as well and shabbos how would people contact you yeah, so I've, I don't know why I use such a complicated one. I should have just done two GPs, like at two GPs in a pod, but I've put some underscores in the middle, but I'm sure if you start <laughs> typing it, it'll, it'll be there. Um, check out mygpevents.co.uk as well for, you know, keeping yourself connected with events that are going on around you. And if you're organising events or, you know, organising events that are primary care facing, so all primary care professionals, feel free to put them on. It's completely free and hopefully it's useful mm. as well. So Just before we finish, a quick little advert, you guys, for mine and Andy's next little project that's coming out on the 24th of January. Um, thanks to our yeah. sponsors, HTN. Um, we are doing part of their digital week. So it's a digital online conference you can join in. Slight little cost, but for that cost, you're going to get three hours of me and Andy. Yeah, okay, you may yeah, not want that. I'd, I'd pay for that. <laughs> um, but in addition, you're going to get our, our top five apps, you're going to get how to use tech to do your CPD. So I'm sure that's something that anybody would want help with. And also we're going to be looking at social media guidance and that kind of stuff as a clinician. So And so, it's so meta because that can you be used for CPD as well. Exactly. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that in itself, well, learning the systems mind, will enhance well, your CPD. Learning. And, you know, if you if you need a few extra points just to finish off that appraisal, that revalidation and say to them, hey, guys, I'm sorted definitely three hours will give you the full update yeah. and, and you can do it in your boxes and slippers there exactly yeah. you can watch this at home in the comfort of your own pjs boom excellent we'll get you over the line definitely Good. right so i guess that's that's a wrap um, yeah yeah so thanks for listening guys thanks catch you next time see you later take care bye, bye. bye.